Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our lesson from last week with Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 15. As the apostles died off and the written New Testament was completed, they were replaced by evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Once the fullness of the doctrine of ecclesiology was unfolded, every church had elders and deacons. Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, marks the beginning of the office of deacon in the church. The remainder of this chapter focuses mainly on one chosen deacon, Stephen. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, The Infant Church Takes First Steps, Part 2. The idea of bishops with authority over all the churches in a region, not just a specific local church, that was not developed until well after the close of the New Testament. We'll probably talk about it later as we move through uh, the book of Acts, but that's not a biblical office of like, regional bishop, or some denominations have regional supervisors or superintendents or, or things like that. It isn't necessarily an evil thing, but any hierarchy above the local church is uh, extra biblical. We'll leave it at that for now. Notice this principle of maintaining spiritual priorities, which are the best for all. Uh, the standard was set from the beginning. They feasted every day on the apostles' doctrine. It would have been a disaster if the, if the apostles had not held on to their priorities and passed them along to the elders who would lead the next generations of believers. We have this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, like being members of a local church and are of God's household, like being part of a local church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. That's all built on the priorities of feasting on the apostles' doctrine, the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So, Notice also the principle of recognizing men who have developed within the local church. It was important and it was significant that the apostles asked the whole congregation to recommend men in whom they saw leadership ability, in whom they saw patterns of faithfulness and wisdom and the evidence of the work of the Holy Spirit. Then there's dealing with needs and problems openly and in unity. These principles kept that first complaint from causing a shipwreck. So, Acts chapter 6. A need arises, leaders prioritize, leaders propose a plan, people are put forth, leaders pray and confirm, God keeps moving, and then Stephen rises up. 
We're not told how long it took. We're not told exactly what happened. But it became obvious that the hand of God was on Stephen in such a way that he developed a ministry like that of the twelve apostles. And he began to manifest gifts of an apostle, signs of an apostle that 2 Corinthians 12 describes. Acts 6 verse 8. And Stephen, full, that means controlled by, full of power, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Well, of course, we know what happened when Peter and John did that. We know what happened later when somebody else did that. Any demonstration of the power of God and any powerful proclamation of the gospel of the resurrected Jesus Christ drew immediate opposition from the unbelieving and apostate Jewish leaders. So verse 9, but some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia rose up and argued with Stephen. Now, there's, a, there's some details there that we really don't need to dive into too much, but it does seem this looks like another one of those situations where people that didn't particularly have a lot to do with each other got together and shared the bond of their mutual hatred of Jesus and His apostles and His people. The, there was the synagogue of the freedmen, another synagogue including Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and another composed of people from Cilicia and Asia. So after the, here's the deal, after the, the return from the Babylonian captivity, people didn't have a temple yet, and they were scattered around, but in the captivity they had begun to meet in places called synagogues, from the Greek word sunagoge, which means a gathering together. A synagogue is a gathering together, it required ten uh, males, heads of households to, to form a synagogue, that was the minimum size, and they, they met, it was, it was the precursor to the local church in, in the days of, of Judaism. So with the ones mentioned here, the cultural and dynamic, or the cultural and linguistic differences between them make it very unlikely these were all from one synagogue. The other thing that's interesting is when people would come to Jerusalem for the feasts like Passover and Pentecost where a lot of people from out of town would come, they would gather from out of town like if we had an RV convention here and we had a whole bunch of people from Wisconsin, they would probably park together. They would even meet in their synagogue, if you will, in Jerusalem. Now, the freedmen were descendants of Jewish slaves who had been captured by Pompey in 63 B.C. Go look up the history if you want to. They were taken to Rome. When they were granted their freedom, they formed a Jewish community in Rome. Cyrenians and Alexanders refers to people from two major cities in North Africa, Cyrene and Alexandria. By the way, uh, Cyrene <coughs> was the home of that man named Simon, Simon the Cyrene, who helped carry Jesus' cross to the place of the crucifixion. Cilicia and Asia were Roman provinces in Asia Minor. That's the area of the, of the seven churches to which the book of Revelation is addressed in what we now call Turkey. And we know that since Paul's hometown of Tarsus, follow this now, Paul's hometown of Tarsus was located in the province of Cilicia. Therefore, Paul likely attended that synagogue or the group of people from there in Jerusalem. Or we're going to see later, Paul is going to be present at Stephen's trial and execution. So talk about 
maybe the Holy Spirit wrote this book, this is likely the first oblique reference to the Apostle Paul other than the fact that we know that his rabbinical teacher was Gamaliel, who was the guy that gave the interesting advice back in chapter 5. All right, here's what happened. Verse 9, they argued with um, Stephen. The word that's translated argued infers more of a debate. It probably started out friendly. After all, Stephen was full of grace. He was a nice guy. You could talk to him. Um, But if you're trying to refute a spirit-filled spokesman of God and you don't believe that he's telling you the truth when he says Jesus died and rose again, um, you're either going to repent or the conversation is going to deteriorate. And deteriorate it did. Verse 10. While they were, but, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, again the Jewish leaders. And they came up to him and dragged him away and brought him before the council. Seen that before? Put them in the middle, Sanhedrin in a circle around them, and you interrogate them. They put forward false witnesses who said, This man incessantly speaks against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Nazarene, Jesus, will destroy this place and alter the customs which Moses handed down to us. And fixing their gaze on him, all who were sitting in the council saw his face like the face of an angel. He wasn't flapped even by the false accusations. Now, we're going to circle back to that when we enter chapter 7. But get that scene in your mind. There stands Stephen, as calm as an angel, listening to false accusations solicited against him by sinister false teachers who want to cause a riot and who are willing to commit murder to defend their spiritual turf. What happens next? Come next Lord's Day. If you want the trailer for it, go ahead and read chapter 7 on your own. Great chapter. But let's take away from this what we can do today. Are you watching for needs? Every need is an opportunity for service. Are you serving? Are you, as you serve, recruiting others to serve with you? And will you stand tall when the enemies of Christ come after you? Because, by the way, you will be persecuted if you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. As the adage says, there's only four things that you're ever going to get in trouble for. Whatever you say, whatever you don't say, whatever you do, and whatever you don't do. So make sure that those are for the Lord. And if somebody wants to come after you, it's because they have a problem with your risen Lord. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is for us to look back through the telescope of history and see your infant church take its first steps. Heritage Bible Church stands many steps further down the road, and we want this place to be where your work is done and where where your work is done in your way and by your people. So have your way with each of us. You know the needs of our hearts. You know the opportunities you would bring to us. Use them all, we pray, for your glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.